Friday, 11th of August. It relates to our conversation. And it's going to segue into Barbara. Um, uh, taxi strike is dominating uh, trending stories on social media as well. Um, it reads, I heard Mandla Hermanas from Sintaka on radio claiming that the agreement that brought about the end of the taxi strike, strike was based on a reduction of list of the list of things for which the city... City and provincial traffic can impound and that taxis will be released from the pound. This is not accurate. In order to avoid conflicts between enforcement staff on the road and public transport employees, it is important that we are clear about exactly what was agreed to. Impoundments under the National Land Transportation Act will continue for vehicles driving without an operating license or on the incorrect route or without a driver's license or which are not roadworthy. We have agreed that the taxi task team will further define a list within 14 days of additional major offences in which uh, vehicles will continue to be impounded in future. This will take the form of a standard operating procedure to guide enforcement staff on the exercise uh, of the discretionary power provided um, by the NLTA. Um, so, it, so it doesn't necessarily call for a moratorium, because I think if the city had agreed to a moratorium, I would have been... They not, didn't uh, You must impound taxis, yeah. you must impound cars, if uh, that's what the law calls for. Mm. Um, I wouldn't want such a thing to happen. And if there are, of course, taxis that have been impounded illegally, then they must be released from the pound, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That segues to that Bob. That segues. So, um, you know, it's not trending, I don't mean necessarily nationally, but you can see it starting to be the talking point locally. And I think, you know, we are still reeling from this last uh, week of um, deadly, deadly occurrences that happened around the taxi strike and the impact it had on people across the city. So, obviously, l- waking up this morning or you know, the end of the weekend to knowing that Sintaka are off to court and, 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 and they're going to be filing an interdict against the city. And this is around this issue that you're talking about, that allegedly the city has been impounding taxis further over this weekend. But I think what brought, what I was finding quite interesting sort of towards last week when all of this was going on was Jordan Hill Lewis was at pains on the interviews he did on this radio station and I saw also on national television to say that while they were being accused of using the bylaws, which he adamantly says they never did use, they only used the National Transport Land Act rules that are in place, that, you know, when they were accused of, of, of impounding taxis for minor infringements, like, you know, not having a side mirror or or, or something like that. He says he had got his people to sift through the 6,000 impoundment um, papers and had found less than a handful that were minor infringements. And, you know, your point, to your point, they're about root um, and operating license infringements. I mean, I'm not speaking here because I have that information. I'm just saying what was reported. Um, and I have not yet seen a report that shows the actual number of taxis that were impounded for minor infringements, which is heavy. I mean, I think that, you know, to have to pay a huge impoundment fee and your fines, yes, people should pay their fines, but I don't believe everyone does pay their fines across the board, quite frankly. I mean, I have a few outstanding, please don't come and arrest me, but or impound my car. So I'm not saying that it's always fair, but... According to Jordan Hill Lewis, who had done an investigation, there were very few that were minor. I don't know that, you know, I haven't seen the papers or the, or the, the, the figures on that. But if that's true, then I'm not sure that this is all accurate, what's being reflected now, that the taxis are being impounded for minor inf- infringements. 
I think that it's still re- related to operating licenses. Look, I think one of the arguments the taxis, taxi drivers will say is that to get operating licenses is a cumbersome process, which is actually a provincial um, competency. Yeah. Correct, provincial competency. And that you know, I have heard it said that in areas where there are newer routes, so maybe a newer um, de- housing development, and now they want to go there, it takes a long it's time. Yeah. Correct. It's lagging. So I do think there should be give and take here. Absolutely. I've always felt that. Absolutely. But I don't think that um, there was never an agreement that there was going to be a moratorium on all impoundments after that deal was struck. Yeah, I don't think that's but what But again, as you said earlier, bef- um, you were saying the court issue, it's in their rights to go to court. It always was. And actually, it should have been done maybe quite a while ago. But this this bylaw and somebody writes. Which they say they haven't used the bylaw by cocked was to allow them to impound those joyriders in in flashy. Let me not mention <laughs> the brand, um, Italian brand, co- yes. brand cars, amongst yes. others who speed around residential areas and disturb people at all hours of the night and into the early hours of the morning without number plates. Now I actually know. I actually know of a Ferrari specifically that was impounded. Um, it was. In fact, I, I was playing golf, and that's when I you saw about, it uh, without yeah. a number plate, and, and 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 apparently that's why this particular bylaw was. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm just always interested in actually seeing the facts. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing the facts of you know what's been impounded, why they've been impounded, how many private vehicles have been impounded versus public transport vehicles. But again, if you have a public transport license, a special license to, to, to transport the public, you do have an extra added, um, what's the word? The onus is on you to be, be especially careful because you're, you're transporting people. Yeah. I mean, obviously we all can do that in our private cars, but you know what I mean? Like you're, you're taking people in, in yeah. large numbers. Therefore you need to, be trained and op it. The bottom line is we've let things slip in the past yeah. three decades. We if have. We don't get tough on we the have. law. And you know, it goes. Yeah, it goes back to things like you know, how should the taxi industry have been not you know incorporated into national public transport and benefit from some of that? Absolutely. Yeah. And the Ferraris must be. And they must be impounded. impounded. And um, the Ferraris. And yeah. Barbara's. And Barbara. What's it just a fine? Yes, please don't oh, come okay. in. I do pay my fines. But, I think, yeah, maybe know. 20 years. I, I 20 do, I a few. Okay, what else have you got first, Bob? I just thought this was interesting. It's, um, I mean, it's a little bit nkavukult, and I think you'd have to go read the whole thing on your own. But um, McKinsey Health Institute has released its latest global Gen Z survey. Um, and I always think these are interesting because they they do um, survey quite a large group of um People across, uh, uh, I think they, they interviewed 42,000 respondents across 26 countries to get trends in how the different generations, whether you buy into the Gen Zs, the millennials, the baby boomers and all the rest of it, but how they are consuming and how they are re- reacting to the social media usage. And it's always interesting to me. And some of the takeouts of the survey, I'm just going to pull out a few, is um, they're saying that uh, millennials are more active on social media than other generations. Although the rest are pretty active And including baby boomers Who look from the charts that I was looking at Pretty active (laughs) But I think what they're saying is the Gen Zers Who are sort of the adults are now 18 to 24 So yeah yeah, Who were weaned on social media Who are much more It's a different approach to us Correct Um, They 
are more passive users as I from what I'm reading. So they do check in, but not as much. And yes, passive. regularly. Yeah. And they're a little bit more passive. And I was thinking this is now my take on everyone before I get attacked is I kind of I taught myself quite a while back to not react on social media. So I never comment. Like I will, I am not one of those people. You know, when people write stupid questions and everyone comments some answers, I think the the Gen Zs are like that. Like I don't think they engage and cause themselves to be work themselves up over some stupid internet argument. Whereas I think the baby boomers do it quite a lot, yeah. and so I think the millennials do it quite a bit. You say that the Gen Zs can spot the drama. Uh, yeah, and I think they avoid it. Yeah. But the interesting other interesting. thing is they are the ones that, and this is cause. This, sorry, I'm going to always get that word wrong. This is, um, this is not necessarily causation, but it is a reflection of what they're saying. They are more affected negatively in me- the mental health area by social media. The Gen Zs, those young ones, they find online interactions cause them to be more negatively affected uh, in terms of their mental health. But interestingly, they also look for apps and things to help them with their mental health. But I think the point is, if you look at that age group, you know, it is an age group where you're going through a lot. Um, You're young, although I can't say that I had huge mental health issues. It was only after 24 that mine developed. I think from 18 to 24, I was probably just partying a lot more and drinking a bit too much and doing other things. Okay. So I can't remember that being my big thing then, although I think you do, you are struggling with growing up. But you're Aren't saying you? that Gen Zs are self-medicating. No, they they self-medicating. No, they they're using apps. <laughs> yeah, I, well, self-medicating with, with, with a drug with, itself. No, no, with with sort of like mental health apps, like how to meditate or how to, you know, they're using okay. social medias. Um, you know, people have created apps to help you with your mental health. Yeah. So you know, whereas most of us when we were younger were sent to therapists, yeah. um, they maybe they're using online sort of apps to to help them. I don't that's, know. I'm not quite sure how that works. But I thought it was interesting that, and it makes sense to me, that the younger generations have got a different approach and they're not as triggered maybe but to react online. I yeah. could be completely wrong. That's just the sense well, I I'm getting. Right, actually, because I was, I was thinking it was going I, in the other direction. Young people are quite almost invisible online in terms of their interactions. And I'll tell you what's added to that is they are definitely more aware of the footprint they leave, which is forever. Mm. Whereas I think baby boomers... Listen, you sixty-year-olds and over, you, you, everything you write on online is being used either to know more about you, or to you know can be used against you. So what I'm is, like, is don't engage. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. Don't engage when they ask you what the fir- you know one of those stupid question things. What's the first car you ever drove? Don't write the first car you ever drove because some scammer is probably behind that, trying to work out your password. <laughs> Which is okay. like, what was my first car I ever drove? But, you know, young people, I think, are much more wise to this. Don't yeah. leave a big social footprint. It's forever. Yeah, I think they're looking at, at their parents and saying, look, look, look where all those likes brought you. <laughs> Let's move on. Exactly. What, what else have you got for us? So this is not a brand new story, but it caught my eye because it was published by the Smithsonian Magazine, which I enjoy. Um, it always has interesting science and oddball things. 
And this is an article about here's what music specially composed for your cat sounds like. And actually someone in my office said to me, oh, yes, I often do go to YouTube and look for music for my cats. So this is not totally like out there. And the research that was done a few years ago showed that cats don't really care for our tunes. Um, they actually like prefer something that's composed specifically for them. And um, a couple of musicians or composers have created some interesting little soundtracks specifically for felines. And, of course, on the various places I saw this poster, the comments were actually the funniest part of it, where people were like, my cat told me you've got too much time on your hands. And other people saying, my cat turned over and purred. But I thought let's end the segment with a little clip of music that was composed by this one particular um, a person which is apparently going to really get your cats to relax and be incredibly happy. Let's roll over and pull. Ouch. Wait for the purr. out of interest that that (laughs) this particular um, person is um, composed this uh, he says that a pulse related to purring of 1380 beats per minute um, that is one of the things included in this and yeah that's there's a certain there's a certain kind of beat they use and a number of purrs and a lot of people said they played it for their cats and it really worked. So if you're interested, David Taylor is the guy that I he created Sonic Catnip um, of the K- Kitty Ditties, um, Restful Cat Ballads and Purr Inspired Feline Airs. And you can go to his website, David, T-E-I-E, and he's got a YouTube platform in case you've got a cat that's needing to be calmed down. Try it and let us know. I wanted to talk about the one who flew over the cuckoo's nest, but I think I'm going to leave it for tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you very much, Barbara Friedman. Things